And hello everyone in the Rio Grande Valley and the sports world in general. And thanks for joining in on another episode of the South Texas Border Sports Podcast. Don't forget you can hear our episodes every Monday on anchor.fm forward slash STBS or on Google Podcasts or on the Apple iTunes store. Fans of this week's episode, we are bringing back uh, one of my favorite guests. Uh, he he covers uh, the Monterreyals of Monterrey, a team that plays in La Liga MX. And I would like to welcome in Eduardo Razo. Eduardo, how, how are you? How's the new year been treating you? And welcome aboard. Thanks for having me. Um, just uh, a lot of work, a lot of like, yeah, just pretty much just a lot of work. Um, but, you know, just grinding through the through the new year, uh, you know, as we'll talk about in a bit. One that hasn't been treating us kindly to start the year, but uh, but everything else is pretty good. Yeah, well, there's work. There's a blessing, you know, that's what I always say at times. And, you know, let's get into the beef of our subject here. The Reyes of Monterrey, man. You know, and it's been at least two decades since I've seen this team go under the severe pressure that it's been. Where do you kind of pinpoint the blame? Where do you start dissecting where the root of the problem is? So I'd go up top. I mean, whether it's, you know, I mean, how many coaches have they gone through? You know, so it's like, how many do you, how many have they, you know, like it's been what, four coaches that they've gone through? So I, at some point you got to stop blaming the coaches and you look, look up top, you know, like it's, it's been what, seven years, eight years under uh, Ornelas, Bella and um, Darwino. And so, you know, when you go through four coaches, if, if they should decide to fire Javier Aguirre, I, I mean, not four coaches, but four firings, because they did fire um, Antonio Mohamed twice, you know? So they fired, you know, it would, if they do decide to move on from Javier Aguirre, it would be three, three managers and four firings. And so at some point, you know, uh, 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 you know, a management can't have that amount of firings in their coaching staff. Like you look at other big clubs around Latin America, and you see clubs like River Plate who have, like, stability with their coach, you know, with Marcelo Gallardo. And it's like, why can't Monterrey just seem to figure out and have that? For me, you know, I look at an emblematic figure like Victor Manuel Bucetich. He's currently unemployed right now. His last job with Chivas didn't go so well. But one of the things he did say, and I'm – happy that he said some of these things was that he he blames the management as well but would you agree with Victor Manuel Bucetich on this point that a lot of these the higher-ups from Monterrey are a little too young to have taken over a team that was starting to go into a crescendo 
before this uh, up and down to a uh, topsy turvy uh, type of routine that we've seen maybe the last uh, five to six years? I wouldn't say young. I would say an experience because if you're if you were to have brought some or they would have brought someone with like the same age as Davino, for example, but he was or, or that, that person were like a management under, you know, at River Plate or Flamengo, like a big club in a country where they are expected to win trophies, then, you know, I, I, it would, the age wouldn't matter to me. It's about experience, you know, and Davino was never uh, an executive at another big club. Like he was brought in once his career was finished. He, you know, he, he was in the set. I'm not sure what, what he was, you know, but he, he was learning the ropes at Monterrey and eventually he, he got the reins. Um, so I wouldn't say age. I would say more experience because, like I said, if, if, they, if Monterrey would have brought somebody in, somebody in that ran or was like the right-hand man for, a club, you know, for someone at a club like Flamengo or River Plate or whatever, you know, I wouldn't have an issue with the age. It's more about experience. Okay, yeah, maybe I may have chose the wrong word there when it came to either, uh, I guess the young, but I guess more of the experience catalog. Um, but where does this rank right now in your eyes? Being that the club faced relegation at the turn of the millennium compared to right now, where do you kind of rank this uh, mini crisis that the team is facing at this time? I mean, they're coming off one of the, one of the more humiliating performances you know, in recent time, like, yeah, I would say in the last de decade, you know, I would say that maybe top, that's top two, top three performances, you know, humiliating performances, uh, just because of what it was expected uh, heading into there. And then you also had like the, the, the path to get to that final, it wasn't as complicated as it was in the past. So you had all the aspects to get to that final and they just crapped the bed. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's up there, even though it's, not you know they're not dealing with relegation or it's a financial crisis, but it's it's a sporting crisis. It's 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 a team that doesn't have an identity, doesn't have a philosophy, has a manager with aging tactics, really doesn't play anything, and you have guys in management positions that are way over their head. So it's a sporting. I would say it's a sporting crisis more so than like you know anything else. With that, with that said, you know you you brought up an interesting point within the financial crisis. I kind of think it, it, it's a little bit of a financial crisis. Here's why. You kind of struggled to get rid of Akeloba. They sold, they sold an Albert uh, Elise for a profit to the Houston Dynamo of all teams. And right now, the one sparing guy that I guess to me, for me, he's run out of uh, credit and debits is Vincent Jansen, which if his contract is up, I wouldn't bother renewing. And even Dorlan Pavon enters that conversation because of the renewal that they gave him and they lost him on a free. So would you consider that sporting and then financial comes uh, second with this little crisis? I, I wouldn't say, I, I wouldn't make that connection. It's, it, it again goes back to experience. You have guys who 
who have never negotiated contracts, big contracts, or are not smart or savvy, you know, at the negotiating table where they hand players um, who have, who are, who are supporting cast large wages where it, when it doesn't work out, they are unable to sell them or they're unable to find a club that can take them on. Uh, as we've seen, like how many clubs can pay, you know, Vincent Jansen's wages. And I think he's under contract for th- two more years. I think he was a five-year contract when he signed in 2019. So that, that's an anchor right there. Like not a, like maybe an MLS club can save them, but you know, like there, the guy doesn't play that much. He's injured. He had a long injury history before he got there. And again, it just shows their, their inexperience. Like I don't think it has to do more with the financial crisis. It just goes back to my original point. It's about experience. It's about being savvy at the negotiating table. It's about having scouts uh, tell you the pros and cons rather than diving in head first into a bad contract that, you know, that is Vincent Jansen's contract, but you also have other examples, like you had Avila Sultado who stayed way past, you know, his, his expiration date, but they couldn't get rid of him because of his, you know, his wages. So they're stuck with a lot of players whose wages just aren't removed, aren't, you know, they, they can't move them. You can try, but not a lot of clubs are going to say, Hey, yeah, we'll, we'll take that on. And I don't blame the other clubs because why am I going to do a favor for another club when they're the ones that messed up and gave them that contract and those wages. So I don't think it's a financial crisis. You know, I don't link finances to that. It's again, going back to experience. They, they just have guys who don't know how to negotiate contracts and don't, you know, aren't savvy enough at the negotiating table when it comes to, to making deals. Now you, you mentioned uh, Javier Aguirre wanting them out and all this. And I'm going to go back to what Victor Manuel Vucetich, a club legend, he, he also said in that same interview that Aguirre is an old Fox, experienced Fox when it comes to sitting down at these negotiating tables and basically eating up Davino, Bella, and Ornelas. Would you think if Rayados were to clean house, would you accept Aguirre in a senior role like that if, if it were to ever to come to the case from PEMSA? Or would you dig around in the outside and try to bring in like a Ricardo Pelaez or you try to uh, get someone from River Plate who's done the experienced thing with Marcelo Gallardo and winning a Copa Libertadores. What do you do at this point if FEMSA decides to clean house? Um, I, I do not want Javier Aguirre in any capacity. The guy has shown that uh, being at a club where the demand is to win trophies is too much. He has no experience. The only job he did have where uh, – they might ask for a trophy was Atletico Madrid and, and it didn't go well there. And the last trophy he won was like late nineties, you know, not a, lot of, not a lot of fans were, were alive, you know, they weren't even born yet. So it's like, I, I don't want anybody that doesn't have experience at a big club where the demand is win trophies. Like I don't want, I don't want, Monterrey is not a team or not a club for, for experimenting. I don't, you know, I don't want anybody cutting their ties learning the ropes. No, 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 no. You, that's why there's mid table clubs. That's why there's lower table clubs. Get your experience there. 
and and then see if you can get it out. So I think Monterrey needs player needs people in charge who know what they're doing, have been there before. I mean, you know, they, they need people like that in charge, and, and it's no. I don't think they should be bringing in people who who are just learning the ropes. I don't I don't want anybody like that. It's all about experience. It's all about getting somebody that that has you know, like I said, it doesn't have to be someone who ran a big club. But if they were the right hand man to somebody at a big club, they know the ins and outs. They don't know the demands that the that a supporter base where if you spend a lot of money, it's it's the expectation that you gotta you gotta win trophies. So I just want somebody who has that uh, in their arsenal when it comes to like looking at the resume. I just want somebody who has experience at big clubs where the demand is you know win trophies because um, that that's that's the that's the standard here. You gotta you gotta win trophies. I mean, how much money have they spent and in the last six, seven years, and they only have one league title to show for it. So it's like, you know, it, it's you're not getting your money's worth with this management team. They're, they're all they do is just spend money, but they don't spend it wisely. I mean, they it's like winning the lottery. When you win the lottery and you spend a lot of stuff like on unnecessary things or or just more things that you really don't need, and you don't put your money to work or you don't invest, you don't you know grow your money. I don't feel like Monterrey does that. Monterrey just spends money but they don't make their money work, whether it's, you know, picking up players that are way, are way more, you know, worse than what they spent. You know, I don't have a problem with spending money when you get players like uh, Andrada, um, for example, you don't mess around, you spend the money, you spend the money, but then, you know, you get, if you're spending money like that, you get subpar players who can't leave, you know, you spend that money on Vincent Jansen who wasn't worth it, Rolofo Pizarro who wasn't worth it, you know, it's, it's just it just needs to be cleansed. This club needs to be cleansed because there's a lot of things wrong with it, whether it's from how they develop young players, how they scout players, how they invest their money into buying players. It's just it needs an overhaul, seven years of the same thing and only one league title. It's just it's time for something new. It's time for something different. I don't like I said, I don't want any. I, I'm more in the progressive side that I want. I'm open to, to young you know management sides with experience to have that. You know, I don't want to, like, for example, I can go with, you know, I follow baseball and living in LA. I'm not a Dodgers fan, but like the Dodgers, they brought in Andrew Friedman from the Tampa Bay Rays. And they gave, you know, Friedman knows analytics. All he needs is the money to get players. And that's what the Dodgers provide. They have now have the analytics. They have the farm system. They can spend money because they're the rich, one of the richest teams in baseball. And I think that's what Monterrey should strive for. I think they need people who are savvy, uh, know what they're doing, have a philosophy, have the, the idea of that they want to implement because I, I just feel like that's they don't they don't have any clue other than spend money uh when it comes to this uh whatever project they want to call it okay with that in mind jose luis sanchez solan i personally do not want him for rayados and sanchez solan el chalis he hit out at javier aguirre pretty good on espn deportes I wouldn't want him touching my club with the 10 foot totem pole, but I will say this much. He has a, he has a, a valid point with the statements that he made and not that he's done impressive things at lower end clubs, but he's the type of manager where if the pressure builds up on him, like, it is in Monterrey. He's not afraid to leave, but I will I will bring up this other name 
to bring him on in a senior capacity, Benito Floro. Why bring up Benito Floro? He, he guided the team when it was most precarious, when the team didn't have that much inner talent. The investments that were made at the time were like minimum. He was able to, to kind of like steady the relegation ship and put them into a respectable category. Would you mind seeing Benito Floro in a sporting role? Honestly, I, I think I would prefer someone young, either in their 40s, early 50s. I, I don't think, I think we need something that's going to last a decade. Like I said, I, I want what, what River Plate has where they have Gallardo and he's been there for what, seven years and he's won with different squads. Like you look at his 2015 Libertadores team, looks way different than the 2018. The 2018, the 2018 team that won the Libertadores looks way different than the, the team that won the Argentine uh, championship last year, you know, that won the league. So, like, I want a guy that that is young, hungry, and can win with different variations of clubs in, like, three years or, or you know, in a short time, you know, there's a turnover. So that way there's no, you know, nobody in their comfort zone. I think I just want someone that's young and hungry. That, 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 that for me is that that's the criteria for me. I want someone that's going to be young and hungry and has that experience at, at a big club where it doesn't have to be as the main guy. But you know, if, if like I said, if it's the right hand person, I'm good with that because they're in an environment where they know they have to win. Well, and the only reason why I would bring up uh, Benito Floro is to just kind of provide the stability that the club needs maybe two, three years, because right now there may not be that young hot shot up available in the market per se. Like not even with the, the money that a Marcelo Gallardo would, would, would need. I mean, he's been a person that that's been known to steady ships. Another name I'll throw out there for you, Daniel Alberto Pasarela. Would you welcome him back for a second stint to try to guide that ship? I don't, I'm not a big fan of like going back to second stints. Like that's why I'm not the biggest fan of uh, bringing back like Busetich. I mean, I don't remind him if he's like a caretaker, but like to give him the job, I, I'm not a big fan of second stints. Um, I, if I were, I don't have a manager in place. I mean, I would like. If I had to choose one right now without like doing much research and information, I would maybe go with like someone like Hernan Crespo, who who uh, was recently out at Sao Paulo, but like you know he's been at you know he's won at Defensa y Justicia isn't one of the biggest clubs in in Argentina, but he's been out Sao Paulo. That's um, a relatively big club in in Brazil, and he has that winning pedigree that he had at Inter at Inter Milan. So he's like he's been in situations or in clubs where like the demand is. You know, those late 2000s or, you know, those early 2000s or, or whatever he was at, at Milan. So I would, I heard it into Milan, I should say. I don't want to confuse people with AC Milan. But, you know, he has that experience of being somewhere. But, you know, that that's just like someone at the top of my head. I don't have like the research. I haven't looked into like names. I would have to like look him up. But that's an example that I would go with just because he has that winning pedigree um, and he has some type of experience and he's relatively young where, you know, maybe. Uh, being a Monterrey can uh, 
guided for 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 a couple you know for a number of years uh, but that's just at the top of my head but that's the type of manager i would want someone that's relatively new into the coaching scene um that has fresh ideas that's been you know whether it's themselves being in an environment where you know winning trophies is the priority or being you know in an you know an, an environment as a manager where you know they have to win so like that would be like an ideal type of candidate if, if i had to pick someone uh, at the top of my head, but be, but before coaching, I think first it has to be um, management. I think I think enough is enough. They have to pull the plug on that, and then you know go down to coaching. I think um, once they figure that out, you know I think they you can move on or you know with the process because at least you'll have somebody new, fresh, and see what type of ideas they're trying to implement. But to me, I would. I would stay, you know, stay clear of like second stints, um, unless they have like a successor in plan. You know, I don't, I don't. If there's no successor plan, where I'll hit, I'll somebody will have two years just to steady the ship, and then they'll hand it off to this person. Um, I'm somewhat okay with that, but again, it it would depend on the type of person that that they're getting handed to, because that's what happened with Davino. Davino, you know, came in. Uh, learn the ropes and then he was handed the thing and I just don't want to repeat that you know I don't want somebody that, that doesn't have relatively experience doesn't know uh, the demands of a club where you know it's it's trophies or, or bus uh, but yeah I, to me I would stay clear of uh, people that's a second stint with the club unless there's like a, a relatively convincing plan uh, after them okay okay as I'm being joined by Eduardo Razo of Rayados 90 you analyze one of the one of the latest press conferences that Javier Aguirre had at the Club World Cup uh, tournament, where he mentions the words "losers," "perdedores" in Spanish. Is that kind of like the biggest international signal for you to get rid of a guy, despite having a bad buyout clause? especially with the money and and then that's where I return to the financial aspects of the club right now yes they were able to bring in Javier Aguirre because they didn't have to pay any other club a dime to bring him in but to take them and show them the door uh, out the stage right is going to become a little bit of a problem which is therefore in fact, why I think sporting problem is main issue, then the financials to get rid of him, which is why I say financials now becomes number two. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it all, I mean, at this point, they got to bite the financial bullet. Maybe they can make it up in other aspects, you know, the money they lose, but hey, that, that comes with the territory of being a big club. I mean, Clubs, you know, they have to, you know, bite the bullet sometimes on bad, bad, uh, bad hirings, and that could result in maybe selling the player. You know, that's how they can make up that 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 you know buyout clause. Maybe you might have to sell a player or two to make that up. But I think it's it's just time. Uh, then again, it goes back to that sporting angle where why 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 give someone who has never coached at a club where the demand is to win trophies that type of buyout clause or, you know, that type of, you know, termination clause or whatever you want to call it, you know? So I think they have to bite the financial bullet. 
and whether they make it up through player sales, then that's just the way they're going to have to do it because he can't stay any longer. He shouldn't stay any longer. And that's just the club's fault for hiring people who have no experience, uh, no, I don't know what type of dialogue they had with each other to decide, hey, let's agree to this. Uh, but hey, that's, that's, that's the end of the result. I mean, if, if they have to buy him out, then they're going to have to sell players. That's what normally happens with, with teams like that. If they want to cut wages, they're going to they sell players. If they uh, need to offset any loans that they made, they have to sell players. So they're going to have to sell players to, to cover that cost. At this point of the game, I mean, even the local media who covers a team is quite frustrated with the, with the way the team has performed and yes it's it, it's very easy to point at the scapegoat as the coach but with that being said has the media in Monterey been a little too friendly with the higher-ups in Femson um uh, I don't know when it comes to that. I really, I really try not to pay attention to that because, I mean, uh, it is what it is. There, some people just want to hold on to their, um, you know, press passes or you know, club access. It's not like, you know, here in the United States where there's no real connection. Somebody who's working, you know, covering a team for the Athletic, isn't afraid to you know, rattle the cage sometimes or, or ask tough questions because they're afraid of club access, you know. It, uh, you know, it, it's, it's different there just because of the way I've come to see how coverage is with the club. I mean, you see sometimes reporters uh, selling or are you doing giveaways with, with for the club and stuff like that. So it's 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 very different than, than what, it, what I'm used to in, in the U.S., um, you know, I, I, I don't want to say too friendly, but I just feel like they just don't ask the tough questions. They're, I'm not sure if they're afraid or, you know, maybe they feel like they'll be on an island, you know, when, when they do ask that question and do maybe agitate a little bit or shake the cage uh, because nobody's going to be out there with them. But I just feel like it's more like I don't want to lose access or I don't want to be afraid to, you know, lose my press pass or whatever. I just feel like that might be more of the reason than, than what it is, just because um, I never see them ask the tough questions or, or, or they do, it's, it's not as uh, tough as I, I, I would like, but, but yeah, I, I feel like it's, they're not too hard on them as, as they should be. As I'm being joined by Eddie Russell of Arraya Dos Getting rid of people at the top may be the easiest thing to do. You can get rid of Ornelas, you can get rid of Vela, you can get rid of Davino, you can get rid of Aguirre. And I, I guess short-term short uh, stop, uh, not stoppages, but I, I guess short-term band-aids can kind of be the response. Up to how long would you be willing to see a short-term Band-Aid on this Rayados team to try to steer the ship back into the right direction? 
Um, I would say until the summer. Like, that's why I don't understand the need to, like, wait. You know, like, it, it, my ideal timeline, if, if I was running everything, would be uh, let's get rid of everybody. Let's, let's start fresh. Um, let's conduct our, our, you know, our research. Let's look at, you know, people we want in charge. Uh, I would look outside of Mexico. I do not want anybody from Liga Mekis. I want somebody new with different ideas, um, different philosophies, whether if you go to, to South America, maybe Europe. I want somebody new. Like, I don't want anybody connected with Mexican soccer. I, I, I want somebody new. That's just my preference. Um, and so, like, I would begin the search immediately. I wouldn't waste time. Whatever buyout clauses, whatever you have to pay, make that up in player sales. Sell players and then go from there. Um, you know, like, I think it, it, it's just wasting time. It's just, you know, I think you need to have some type of plan heading into the summer transfer window, I'd say by like May, uh, you got to have everything set on who's going to run everything, who's going to do what, and, and targets ready lined up for when the transfer window opens in late June. So I would say they got to have some, you know, they got to have a plan or an idea of those at FEMSA to start, you know, moving the ball because the longer they stay, whether it's doing their own investigation, doing their own interviews of what's going on and what's the process, you know, what they're going to do. Um, the longer, if they decide to make changes, um, it will take. I mean, the, the supporters are going to do their part to, like, put pressure on them. I mean, you, you started to see, you know, uh, uh, banners near the stadium. Uh, I'm interested to see what they're going to do in the first home game, uh, you know. So I think if, if, they, if they put pressure – you know, I, I really hope that it doesn't take that the supporters, you know, to put pressure on them to, to make drastic changes. I really hope that they just see that, hey, this just isn't working. Uh, and, you know, they're not getting their money's worth uh, when it comes to, like, making this type of investment in a, in a football club. So I just hope uh, they can get the ball rolling and hope, you know, maybe by May, June or early June, I should say, they can have, uh, you know, people in charge, uh that are actually going to move the club in a different direction uh, for the next several years. As I'm being joined by Eduardo Rosso of Rayados 90. Eduardo, you, you mentioned by December have everything. Would that mean sacrificing whatever is left of this tournament and potentially missing out on another league to kind of steer the ship in the right direction? Yeah, I would, I would honestly, if, if drastic changes meant that they don't win the league this year, I would do it because they won the league in 2019. And if you remember, if you remember, they didn't win that league, everything was falling on them. You saw some, you know, there was pressure on them to, you know, to make changes. I mean, there was, I think it was, there was a, uh, a game in Carretaro where they, they panned to like the, the Vela and Davino and they were just, you, you know, th their body language looked defeated. Uh, and then they went on that run in the Liga where they just snuck in and then they won the entire league in 2019. So it's like that really bought them some, some more time to maybe fix whatever was wrong. But obviously it just hasn't worked out. And to be honest, if there's drastic changes, uh, like I said, if there's drastic changes, I would just bring in caretakers. I wouldn't make any permanent 
choices uh, until you, if, if they decide to make changes at the top, I would, you know, first take care of what needs to be cared, take care of at the top, appoint caretakers, and then go from there. You know, I, I would do that. Um, nothing permanent until uh, they hire somebody that's going to be in charge of this, you know, sporting project and, and install their ideas and philosophies that they want to bring in. So like, um, I think I would, I would, I honestly don't want to, I don't want that to happen. Um, but if you twisted my arm and say, you can either have win the league or drastic changes, I would take drastic changes because that will affect the club long-term. And I just want a, a sporting project where the people in charge have a philosophy, have an idea that way once they can be winning leagues on a consistent basis because one tight one league title in what six seven years it's not good enough okay you mentioned about bringing in a south american or implementing a south american style uh type of, of front office would an mls style fit for monterrey um, no, I don't think so. Just because MLS has salary cap. Um, what I do like from MLS is that you do prioritize, you know, if they do spend their money, they spend it on quality young talent um, that's hungry, ready to, you know, ready to contribute, uh, you know, but I, it's just a lot of like salary caps and designated players and all that stuff. And I just, they would have a lot way more money to spend in Monterrey. So like, I, I just feel like I wouldn't do it. I would grab somebody, like I said, whether they go to Europe or South America to grab some of that talent, um, I would go there. I just feel like MLS is a different beast uh, when it comes to constructing a team. Uh, and you really don't get to see what type of, uh, you know, like spending wise, it, it's, just, it's just way different when it comes to that. I feel like that's, that's very drastic. Like what I do, like I said, like I said, they do prioritize, um, not say young talent, but they do prioritize. Like if, if, if they do grab young talented players, you know, they're not that expensive or if they're expensive, they, they're pretty much worth it. But there's also a lot of turnover um, that they do prior, you know, that they do preach and that kind of helps, you know, topple like comfort zones that, we've come to see from players on the squad who have been here for like five, six, seven years, um, which is pretty long for a player that's not, you know, like a club type legend um, or, you know, like one of the better players in the league. So I just feel like that would be two things that I would, that I do like from MLS, but I would, I would stay clear. I would grab somebody with, uh, you know, with the, with, with either that's in Europe or maybe South America. And the only reason why I would bring up the MLS, I mean, A, you're, you're going to lose a lot of money buying out some of these contracts. And B, I mean, with the fans already like not showing up to the stadium, that they'll buy their jerseys, yes, but will they want to go to the stadium and drop anywhere from from 50 to 200 dollars on a saturday where the team has uh performed well be below the the 
defense standards. And, and that's the only reason why I would, I, I bring in an, an MLS model. Yes, you're going to have some money to play with, but with all the buyouts, not selling out the stadium, it's a kind of a, of a little bit of a situation to, that you're playing with at, at, at this point of the game. Um, well, I mean, it all depends on the type of person you bring in. Like, there's some guys in South, you know, whether it's in South America and Europe that can be financial savvy when it comes to acquiring players, whether it's, you know, grabbing them on a loan, uh, getting maybe like 60% of their, you know, contract or player rights or whatever you want to call it. You typically see sometimes, um, I just, I just feel like, you know, if, if, if you grab someone who's savvy enough hot and, and knows his way around a negotiating table, I think, you know, they can make changes. I mean, River Plate, as big as they are, and I hate to refer, you know, keep referring back to them, um, they're not, they don't make, you know, they're not rich like Monterrey just because, you know, they're, they're you know, it's a, it's a, it's an actual club where like people, like, you know, I, I think, you know, whether it's, you know, I, I don't know if it's like season ticket holders or whatever. They, you know, they have a say in who, who's the president. They have votes. They have elections. Um, but, you know, I, I think like last year, they were able to get like five new players, you know, and it's different variations or different methods of acquiring players. At Monterrey, it's only here's a lot of money. Here's the money. Let's go. You know, like they don't have they don't have somebody savvy enough to say, well, you know, uh, you know, just try to bring them another way just because you don't want to spend that amount of money on a player that you're, you know, you think he can work, but there's also the possibility, you know, the possibility that it won't work and you just don't want to be stuck with those wages for that contract. You know, like I said, I'm all good for, for spending money on players that, you know, no doubt you need them, but you know, on supporting cast, that's, that's one of the reasons, that's one of the reasons I do like MLS because they can able to grab players, you know, they're able to grab players that aren't, you know, don't cost a lot and they're able to develop them um, depending on, on the team. Of course, there's some teams who, who are not good at that, uh, but they're able to bring them, develop them uh, and they're able to, to flourish and, and then sell them for a profit, whether it's back to South America or in Europe. Uh, but yeah, I, I do feel like Monterrey is going to need somebody that can go about different methods of acquiring players. If, if you know they have to sell players to cover some buyouts, cover some termination clauses or whatever, so um, yeah, they're gonna need somebody that's savvy and other than just spending money that that can you know lead this team in a different direction when it comes to the, the sporting uh, aspect. Eduardo, I want to thank you for your time and efforts uh, in joining me uh, today. Uh, where can people find you on social media? I mean, I know you're particularly big on Twitter and uh, firing off a, a lot of these uh, nugget tweets that I, I like to nibble and, and try to uh, process the information as the, as the season progresses. Yeah, um, I'm on Twitter at Dorealis90. Um, that's where like I do all the GIFs, clipping, uh, you know, on Dorealis match days. Um, you know, so if, if you're a Monterey fan, I'm usually there and I usually give everything and it's all tweets in English. Um, I'm not as active as I used to be, maybe here and there um, on like non-match day tweets just because, you know, my work schedule. Um, 
it's, it's just gotten a lot bigger than, than it was in the past when I started that account. But, you know, I usually make time uh, to cover uh, match days still for, for that account. So like if, if you're a monthly fan and need clips, need gifts of, of, of you know, on, on game days of goals, et cetera, stuff that happens during the match, then just uh, give it a follow. All right, Eduardo Manny, thanks for joining me, and we'll talk soon. Hello, sports fans. Thanks for listening to another episode of the South Texas Border Sports Podcast. This is your host, Ray Silva. Be tuned next week for another great episode as we drop podcasts every Monday here on anchor.fm forward slash STBS. Don't forget, our podcast can also be found via Google Podcast, Apple iTunes, and Spotify. Thanks for listening. <laughs>